Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, why the feds should not be in Portland. I have had this question from every direction, libertarians, conservatives. I'm not even going to address the the liberal side of it, because really this goes to the fundamental questions of the origin of property rights, uh, the right to self-defense, the limitations of property rights. I've given it a lot of thought, and I want to just lay out why I do not think the feds should be in Portland. I'm going to put aside the question that they're using, which the protesters are playing right into and the federal government is playing right into, which is they are there simply defending federal property as per the exception to posse comitatus or the Constitution or whatever. That is not the extent of their involvement and it's not the extent of the discussion and it's not the extent of what Barr and Trump have said they want to do. They're talking about crime, lawlessness. The question goes to if the state and local government has abdicated its duty to police the area to protect people and property. And I'm not saying they have that duty. I'm not even going to go there. But the argument is if they have abdicated that duty, do should you send the feds in? And I say no. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I always do two things when faced with a question about what government should or should not do or what level of government. The first one is subsidiarity, which is where any problem that can be handled at the lowest possible level should be handled at the lowest possible level and only accelerate up through the ranks as needed. So the argument now would be, yes, it's needed. It's needed because it's not being handled at the local level. But I would say... You're not thinking locally enough. Local means the four corners of your property and the gun in your closet. That's what I mean by handling it at the lowest possible level. Self-defense is a uniquely individual thing. You don't actually need to coordinate to have self-defense. So there's that. And that's what I really want to talk about. What I want to, what I want to tease out. But the other thing is I would always look to what government action has created the problem in the first place and make sure that they stop doing that thing. So the thing I would say that they do that's causing the problem is they have encroached on our absolute rights to self-defense and absolute rights to private property. Second Amendment restrictions, I'm going to address in a minute why, I mean, that goes to the heart of why this is happening in Democrat areas, not Republican areas. I'll give you an example in a sec. So what should property owners, if this is true, if the, if the subsidiarity is to work and you're at the lowest possible level of self-defense, what should a property owner do or person do to protect his or her property? First, I would First, you have to really get familiar with your laws in your area, the right to self-defense, citizens arrest, trespass, the castle doctrine, privacy, because what I would recommend is to the limits of the law, first put cameras everywhere on your property, live stream them if you can, so that you have a defense and then you have to scrupulously stay within the law. But I would arm up to the extent of the law and I would defend myself and my property from trespass or attack. 
Now, if the laws, like in Portland, do not allow you to effectively defend yourself or your property, I would argue it is time to wake up to the fact that you do not own yourself or your property in a jurisdiction that does not allow you to defend it. Like that goes to the essence of law. If you cannot enforce a law, then it isn't a law. If you can't enforce it, it isn't, it isn't real. And it goes to, there are a few fundamental kind of libertarian questions here at stake. One is, this is the first one, which is how do you, this is to me the most fundamental question ever, is how do you assert ownership of a piece of property? You mix your soil with the toil, your toil with the soil, and you defend it. I asked Hans Hermann Hoppe a question once. I emailed him, like, how do you, I was in the jungle in Peru. And who and is that to people who don't know? Hans Hermann Hoppe. He's a foundational ANCAP thinker. Okay. Anyone who's gotten as far into the conversation, I think, knows who Hoppe is. So I asked him what these Indians should do about... Uh, not being able to hunt and gather on their land because of what people are doing in the land around. And he said, well, they should just build a big fence around their land. And that means they own it. And I said, well, the animals can't get across the fence, whatever. I didn't argue with him, but his first answer was you build a fence and that means you own it. So you own something because you defend it. That's a fundamental principle. And if you can't defend it, I would say that you don't own it. And I don't believe you don't own it. I believe you do own it. But this is a paradigm shifting moment where the feds are asserting and demonstrating and institutionalizing their absolute right to control basically everything. This is a paradigm shifting moment. And to the point where my paradigm has shifted to where I look forward to or feel like the best answer is to grow your own food. And I've said before, I am going to have to locally make sure that I have the rights to defend my property, gather rainwater and stuff like that. This is the moment where those rights, that ability to defend locally are going to be alienated by these people. So they need right now to, and it's a paradigm shifting moment. It's time to get off the couch and really think outside the box. This is the moment where you have to, it's a, it's a kind of revolutionary moment. You have to assert your own, your own power. It is the time to defend your property rights on the margin. And this, I think, is why it's happening in Portland and not Fort Worth, Texas. Because in Fort Worth, Texas, where basically everybody's armed and it's very clear to them what personal property rights are and personal integrity is, and they don't give a crap about a federal courthouse, no doubt the feds are not their friends, this could never have gotten this far. And and so when we were on Tripoli and he asked why was it in Dem places, I wasn't really thinking that hard about it at the time, but I think now... They say it's like the social justice thing. They don't like law and order. It's not that. It's that you, I bet if you dig in, you, you will be concerned about your ability to absolutely take full control of your property. If they don't have the castle doctrine where you can kill somebody who's trespassing on your property, then you're going to have a problem because then people are going to be able to come on your property. And what can you do? Because without an apparatus, your only use of force is that deadly force. This is why black markets are kind of deadly. You don't have the apparatus, which we prefer because it's a little more peaceful. But if you don't have that, you simply must use deadly force and you need to have the right to do that. So there is another 
fundamental question here. This is the third fundamental question. So the first one was the nature of property rights. The second one, I just, I, I didn't identify, but I just kind of answered, which is it was a Robert Nozick addressed this. Why aren't people free? Robert Nozick is a really great libertarian thinker who is dead now, but I think he switched from ANCAP back to minarchists. But in any case, he had a good, he, his question was, if you delivered a free society to people, would they take it? Would they accept it? Could they defend it? Or are they fundamentally not willing to put out that effort? Don't really want to be free. This is the moment where that rubber hits the road. I would say in Fort Worth, they are probably, I don't know. And Portland doesn't look like they are. But this is that moment. So that's a fundamental question. Why are people fundamentally free? And then the third thing is, who will build the roads? So here's a big problem. You can defend your property and your person, let's say, in Portland, and you could even defend your business, let's say, let's assume that that's all true, but you cannot defend the roads that give people access to your business. Why? Because the government built them. So people who attack libertarians often say, who will build the roads? That's the classic kind of hackneyed question. And the answer always is the homeowners, the businessmen, the apartment builders, the retailers, they build the roads to connect everybody. But here it shows you that having the public build the roads, having the government build the roads is terrible because then they can use those roads and access to your property as a political weapon. So I would say, who will build the roads? Please, anyone but the government. So this demonstrates the problem with that. Now, the the last point I'll make is, and thank you, Binkley, for indulging me in this. I will make this point um, and then be finished. So if there is a social contract, it is a layered one, okay? Um, I don't consent. So for me, there is no social contract. But if there is a social contract, it is basically... Uh, different layers. You have different social contracts. The one with the federal government that you have is in the Constitution. And that's for all the stuff that's in the Constitution. There's another one, you know, if you were to believe in the social contract theory, the next one, the one that governs policing and personal and property protection is at the state and local level. So if you have a social contract in Portland for policing, it's not with me. It's not with me. It's with other people. It, the Fed Constitution, let's say, is a treaty among those subunits. But I don't have a treaty with the Portland people to police them. And here's why that's important is if I did, then I would have a say in how they ran their laws and the execution of the laws with regard to policing. But I have never been tuned into that. I have never felt I had a right to tell them how to do that. And if I then have the obligation to bail them out, then I have the right to tell them how to run their locality. And what we're saying, anyone who says that the Fed should go in, is saying that that right, that power should be upsourced to the Feds, which will not work in our favor. So just in summary, I think the answer here is that you have to look down to people's personal ability to defend themselves and their property, do it within the four corners of the law. And if the law does not permit it, you have to come to terms with the fact that you don't have a right to have somebody else do it if you don't have the right to do it yourself. And then that's where this paradigm shift comes. And if that's revolutionary, it's it's really just a reset rather than a total revolution. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Binkley. Thank you. What's up, guys? I talk about Neighbors Feed and Seed a lot, and not just because they offer everything you need to live a more sustainable lifestyle, but also because of the way that they conduct business. They give you the kind of personalized attention you don't get anywhere else. In fact, Bill from Neighbors is making propaganda report listeners a priority. He's given his private number to anyone who calls or emails the store so that he can personally make sure you get what you need. 
You're going to want to take them up on that offer. So go to NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. You can find their info on the contact page. And if you're in the Smyrna area, be sure and check out Neighbors' all-new Farmer's Market on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It creates a double-edged sword because it gets people who usually are small government wanting the big government because the immediate issue is what they're focused on. But also to not do anything is also not a situation that anybody wants to deal with. So that's how they get, that's how they push forward the things they want. They put people in situations where either choice is not going to be good. They, it's definitely a setup. There's no question about it. And the, and the problem is that at this moment, the person, the people who are asked to assert these absolute rights to self-defense and private property are in Portland where they clearly do not have that philosophy of government. So, so to make that the, the last stand is a, a losing battle. But if it were in Fort Worth, I think it wouldn't happen. If, maybe they, they could have tried it in Fort Worth for all we know. And it's just wouldn't Maybe it didn't work, yeah. I got a request yesterday. I had mentioned the Harvard professor that had created a list of genetic human modifications that would give people superpowers and the potential side effects of those superpowers. The comment was like, you brought up these this Harvard superpower list and then you guys ended the show. So you got to elaborate on that. So I'll do that. I'm not going to read the genes or the genotypes or anything. I'm just going to read the effects of some of the uh, interesting ones. Uh, the one at the top of the list is this gene modification would give you extra strong bones. And the comparison that I make is to the movie Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, where he's never broken a bone. He can't get hurt. But every superhero, they have a weakness. His was water. And ironically enough, the potential negative effect of these extra strong bones would be that you might sink every time you swim because there's too much density in the bones and you wouldn't have any buoyancy. Another superpower effect is you'd be insensitive to pain, but you wouldn't notice the harm. That's a negative effect. Another one is pain insensitivity and no sweating, which that could cause hypothermia. All of these things are there for a reason. Why would you want to not do these things? It just makes me think how great nature is. Another one is augmented manipulation ability with six-fingered hands. They don't have a side effect for that one. A negative Dude, you know what effect. they do to... Babies who are born with six fingers, do you know what they do to them? Oh, they send them to a museum, Ripley's Believe It or Not? No, they're all over the place. The Amish have a lot of that. They tie a string around it real tight until it falls off. Oh, that's really? And that works? Yes. It's got to be an interesting moment. I think so. I think off. that's true. Maybe that's an urban legend, but I think that's true. Malaria resistance, low coronary disease, low chance of cancer, eliminate diabetes, the ability to dive deep into the ocean without effect. Is another one. So to go, I guess, like Aquaman, you can go to the depths of the water. Of course, probably going to have to. Oh, here's another one. The ability to hold your breath for extended periods of time beyond what the average person can do. That's a good one right there. And you can really explore the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Going on basically no sleep, slow down your aging, slow down yeah, your bone loss. Like. Yeah, the aging I one is where, no people, where people are going to focus in on that one. Learn stimulus response associations faster. That could be good or bad because you could be programmed by propagandists quicker. Low chance of Alzheimer's. And I can put a link to this list in oh, the show great. notes yeah, and you guys can look through it. I'd like to see him updated a little bit more soon. But I think there's a documentary on Netflix. I can't remember the title, but I think it's about these biohackers. If you haven't seen biohackers, then go on YouTube or whatever and just Watch some biohackers and it's some very interesting stuff. They experiment on themselves. And I've seen some of them cure some of their own ailments doing some of these gene editing experiments. 
Hey, that might dovetail with the World Economic Forum's Fourth Industrial Revolution, which aims to blur the lines between biology and technology. Yeah. And speaking of technology, the big tech guys are in front of Congress as we speak, talking about antitrust behavior. And just as another little libertarian mind vitamin, these uh, there, in in my observation, there is no such thing as a monopoly outside, or I should say, monopoly is always and everywhere a government phenomenon because everything a monopoly happens when there are no substitutes and only one provider, and the only thing that there's really no substitutes for or alternatives to are necessities, in my opinion. So I think, you know, if correct me if I'm not thinking about it right, food, water, air, and clothing and shelter, which you can get from nature. There's no real scarcity to that stuff. And and then, so all the benefits these guys have are from, I think, the seeding that the government did for them in the beginning. And now the regulatory stuff they do today was just such a crazy example of exactly that, is that Trump came out, I saw Trump say that he was going to ban TikTok because it's a national security thing and China could use it for spying and yada, yada, yada. And then today also in in the Wall Street Journal was an article that Facebook uh, lassos their their TikTok competitor was shut down because nobody went for it, but they're launching Reels, R-E-E-L-S, next month. And they're trying to pursue the biggest TikTok stars, giving them money. But there was a creator quoted saying, I didn't do something like I didn't do lassos, but I'm going to do reels because I think TikTok's just going to go away. So it's just like I think is behind Huawei that we're attacking these these Chinese competitors on the basis of national security. But it's actually to insulate and foster the the these businesses that are closely connected with the government. That's the monopolistic anti-competitive behavior that that is the only kind that really can stand up because the government is actually stopping by law the ability to compete. Yeah, I found it interesting that the story broke yesterday about Trump and Twitter, Trump Jr. getting suspended partially from Twitter and Trump's tweet being taken down the day before these hearings happened. I'm sure most listeners probably heard the story yesterday where Trump had tweeted a video of some doctors. I believe they were sitting out maybe in front of Capitol Hill. Basically, long story short, they were promoting hydroxychloroquine as what they called, quote, a cure. And this is why this is why, you know, it's dialectical, in my opinion. They use language like hydroxychloroquine is a cure for coronavirus. And they said that the other doctors are using fake science. And they said, you don't need to wear a mask. That's also going to be one of the reasons that the tweet got removed. But that's true. Right. But saying cure, if exactly. they wanted to get their message across, then they would clarify what is going on with hydroxychloroquine. And it's that when it's taken with zinc and one other thing, that's the way that doctors have prescribed it. And it's taken at a certain time during the progression of it. There's no study that have been done that have studied the three things that are taken together with the timing that they're taken. No study has studied that. So when they point to the debunked studies, say they debunked them, those aren't studying what the people are actually taking, what they're prescribed to take. Yet they're using these studies, which don't relate to this, which are not what people are doing to debunk what people are doing. And you could actually actually countered that narrative with a platform, but instead they started using trigger language. It was going to get them shut down that made people fight about it. 
it, it, you can't cure a virus. That's a that's not the. There's no reason to talk about it that way. It's you. You right. could say it's a palliative. It's a treatment. It's an effective treatment. It effectively relieves all the symptoms. Whatever. It, there's right. I agree with you totally. It looked like and the mask thing. It actually taints the mask issue because if it was about the efficacy of masks, you could point to that study on the CDC website that shows ten. 10 random controlled trials. And I just realized in my notes before the show that one of the things that they did have randomly controlled trials on is that just washing your hands also does not prevent the spread of flu. Washing your hands prevents the spread of GI problems, of, of diseases of, that you ingest and that that does strain the healthcare system. So they want you to wash your hands, but not because it spread, it stops the spread of respiratory viruses. So they could point to the studies, but when they jam it all together and use language that's imprecise, it taints the whole thing. Yeah, well, imprecise to us, probably precisely chosen for them. A big welcome to our latest sponsor, an avid member of the Propaganda Report community, True Hemp Science, experts in CBD with a huge variety of premium CBD from different farms and with different cannabinoid profiles all in one place. Go to truehemscience.com slash prop report for your special offer. One more comment about that story about the tweet getting removed. The other side, the same thing. The people that are saying that hydroxychloroquine, it's debunked, it doesn't work. They could also point out that the studies they're using do not study what people are doing, but they don't. And they know that they don't. So this is a manipulation on both sides to get people talking. Who knows what the truth is? Is it effective? I I have no idea. I know people who say it is. I know doctors say it is. It probably is. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but they continue to bring this up to confuse people and keep people arguing. Last week, Trump is promoting remdesivir from during that meeting or during that press conference. This week, he's back to promoting hydroxychloroquine. Maybe they both help in certain ways, but they just want to keep us fighting over them as though you have to choose one or the other. Speaking of China, we've been talking occasionally about these UFOs that have been spotted. The New York Times broke this story a few years ago about that program, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that they exposed in 2017. It's a program that where the Pentagon was investigating UFOs, and periodically they bring out the Navy pilots, the videos of these crafts going around. This story's just kind of been lingering around. What's the purpose of it? You know, why are they telling us this? Well, an article today titled do we believe in ufos that's the wrong question this was in the new york times and this article talks about the real threats that these ufos could potentially represent and what they did was they say that that's the wrong question to ask that question is not do we believe in ufos the real question is what is this thing how does it work how does it do what it can do and then they go through some declassified stuff that they got from the pentagon and Here's how they premise the article. To be clear, UFOs don't mean aliens. Unidentified means we don't know what they are, only that they demonstrate capabilities that do not appear to be possible through current available technology. Well, that isn't actually part of the unidentified. Unidentified is just unidentified. That's kind of making it mean more than it does, too. But okay, sorry, I don't mean to stop the flow. But Then they go on to say... Current officials are now concerned about the potential threat represented by the very real advanced technological objects, how close they come to our fighter jets, sometimes causing a near miss, and the risk that our 
adversaries may acquire the technology demonstrated by the objects before we do. I think that's an important thing to remember there. And the numerous associates of the Pentagon told the New York Times, and these people have high security clearances and decades of involvement in the UFO investigation. They told them that they are convinced that crashes where the UFOs were retrieved have occurred. And based on their access to the classified information, they say that the retrieved materials themselves and any data about them are completely off limits to anybody without clearance and need to know. Then they present a slide. The Pentagon gave the New York Times a series of unclassified slides that they were using to brief people in the administration, I guess. And these slides showed the threat. They showed that they were taken seriously, these threats. And here's what one of these slides says. Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, twofold nature of threat, current threat, AAV phenomena of foreign off-world being globally deployed and tested. Off-world objects being globally deployed and tested, whatever that means. I don't either. What are you saying? So wait, this is a slideshow given... To whom? The New York Times was given this slideshow that the Pentagon uses to debrief people in the administration about this aero, advanced okay. aerospace threat threat program. Yeah. Okay. And then and it's and say again about the off. They say the twofold nature of the threat is such the current threat is this, and they call it the AAV phenomenon. I'll tell you what that means in a second. The AAV phenomenon of foreign derivation, D E R I V A T I O N derivation, which they say including off-world. Got it. Okay. It's foreign and it might be from another planet. Is being okay. deployed and tested. And then the future threat, yes, potential terrestrial adversaries achieving significant breakthroughs in the development of game-changing disruptive technologies based on evaluations of AAV phenomena from sensor data to crash retrieved materials. So, so they say they so retrieve the materials. These guys are – so I think what I'm understanding is in the here and now, these – whoever it is, China or Martians, are putting our – are testing their stuff out, introducing it to our world, seeing how it works in real time. And then the second part is what are the implications of the future? If that's a scouting mission, what does that mean for the exactly. future? We need to assess that based on what we observe and what we've collected. Right. Exactly. And they go on to say that AAV specifically does not mean anything from a country. It says not China, not Russia in the article. It specifically says that. And then it says it means that the technology is in the realm of the truly unexplained. And they assure them, the Pentagon officials assure them that these briefings are based on fact and not belief. So... The claim, anyway, off-world, potentially off-world technology that has science that we don't understand. We retrieved a crash, and we're investigating these materials, and our hope is to make sure that we prevent our adversaries from getting this technology and understanding it before us. I don't know what's going on, but there's something going on, and we're being prepared for something. I don't know what it is, but the mask thing, the social distancing, the virus, China, this UFO thing, which keeps popping up with these strange things. I mean, if this is real, this should be all that we are talking about. I think it's layered propaganda. I'm not saying oh, yeah. that I'm not saying there's no alien, whatever, but I'm just saying there is a very specific subgroup i think all the things that you're mentioning target different people's fear centers yes or credibility centers and that yeah it probably i mean to me it is just this huge fourth industrial revolution paradigm shift from from legal to biological uh, to technological 
that it's all this world government that can only exist in a if if mostly everything is virtual. And I don't know how we're going to get from here to there, but it's going to involve a lot of fear. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're going to continue to see little stories drop like this just kind of randomly. Seems like there's no rhyme or rhythm to it, but there is. This is important in that kind of realm, especially earlier when I was saying, I think our only, you know, that the, the best solution I can think of is true independence and not isolationism. Make sure that, you know, you connect with other people, homestead and everything, but that they said they were, all these people are getting seeds from China. Yeah. And they're like, don't use the seeds. It could bring disease. It could bring invasive invasive species. It could kill your chickens or whatever. Seduce. What was the tree that we got from Japan that grew all over the country? I don't know. Well, bamboo is a freaking weed that cannot, it's very hard to get rid of. But so someone tweeted at me. I wish I had the tweet handy to give him credit that this is a way to, to control seeds. So already there are seeds that are they choke out the heritage ones you kind of have to use chemicals to grow the seeds and farmers don't like that heirloom farmers don't like that but controlling seeds regulating the ability or preventing us from growing our own stuff is is a real thing not allowing us to have real estate that was in Habitat One from the UN. This is that when I said earlier, nothing doesn't have a substitute. Nothing does, everything has a substitute except for necessities, which aren't scarce. So they want to enforce scarcity onto those necessities so that we absolutely have to be plugged in. That's why I say, watch out, make sure you're independently healthy. Don't depend on insulin shots or hormone pills or now vaccinations, which might intentionally, uh, disable our immune system so that we can't function out in the world without these vaccines. This is all important stuff. And it ties into, I think, the seed story. Yeah, it's kudzu that I was thinking about that was introduced to us by Japan that grows wildly, almost like a virus. I've got some housekeeping stuff to tell people. Let's hear it. All right. It yesterday I forgot it was share the show Tuesday. But so today let's make it share the show Wednesday, especially if you know libertarians or conservatives who are asking that question about don't feel right about calling in the feds, but really don't know what the answer is. Maybe they'd like to hear our thoughts on that. Uh, I did a I did a podcast with Erase the State. It's going to drop on Thursday, which is tomorrow. It like when I think about all the truth bombs that exploded on that podcast, like it literally makes me nervous. Yeah. It's a, and speaking of bombs, it's about the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh, wow. So you can listen to that. A couple of cool things about live streaming and DPP. We, Binkley and I are, if you have never seen us live stream, which is quite possible if you're not in a party level patron thing, Clint Powell. Facebook.com slash the Clint Powell, our friend from during the break podcast has invited us for just a short 20 minute Facebook live session. It's going to be before our VIP DPP this Friday. So it's at, it's going to be Facebook.com slash the Clint Powell, 630 PM Eastern time this Friday, me and Binkley, 20 minutes, ask us anything, give you a little taste of how fun it is to be in a live stream with us. And if you are a patron of the truth level, no friend of the show or patron saint that's this weekend the vip dpp 
We're having a bonus, a special bonus tonight, uh, Friday night at 8 p.m. And then next week, the first Friday free for all, we have a very, very special guest. That's for patrons of the truth or higher. That's a lot of stuff. You might want to back at 15 seconds and re-listen <laughs> to what I just said if you're interested in any of it. But we'll try to repeat a lot of it tomorrow. But do share the show. Yes, share the show. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every day that we post to DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the Patreon 15. And in the Patreon 15. We got more to come. And I'm going to tell you about life inside the NBA bubble and all the surveillance and tracking technology they're testing in there in the Patreon 15. And... I want to tell you about a a demonic connection with Dr. Fauci's name, let's say. Talk to y'all later.